As always, it's so good to be with you. And how are we doing? You enjoying this fall? Boy, it's nice, isn't it? I tell you, I love the, I love the trees. They're so pretty. And um, my little, I've got one monarch caterpillar. Looks like that's going to be it for this year. That guy, he's or a gal, I'm not for sure yet, but he starts out about that big, and then he'll get up to that big. So he's about that big right now. But uh, I truly enjoy going out every day and and looking at the caterpillar and thinking about the butterfly. So I'll keep you posted. And well, you all are blowing this choir out, aren't you? My Lord, look at you. The seats are just a few seats left, and, and how, what a great job you do. We're so appreciative of you and, and helping us and leading us in worship. Thank you so much. Well, I want to spend a few moments this morning uh, looking at the second reading today where Paul is emphasizing the importance of the Holy Scriptures and uh, what a wonderful, wonderful word he has. Now, you've got to remember a little bit about the background of this. This Paul writes two letters to Timothy. These are personal letters. They're not letters that were written to the church, per se, but they were written to him. And Timothy was uh, very special to Paul. He, he, Paul even, uh, one time, he called him his adopted son. That's how much he thought of Timothy. And uh, he, um, Paul was his mentor, was what he was. Timothy loved Jesus. And uh, Timothy really wanted to grow in Jesus. He was like a sponge. You ever seen anybody like a sponge, how they just sort of soak it in? Well, that's the way Timothy was. That's, that's the way he loved Jesus. He just soaked it all in. And, and Paul saw that, and uh, the Spirit spoke to him and said, you know, you need to, you need to help this guy. You need to help him. And he would go on uh, to become the bishop of Ephesus, the, bir- the first bishop of Ephesus, which is... Uh, quite a substantial role. So what Paul's doing, knowing that uh, the blade, so to speak, waits on him here, uh, he's going to be dying a martyr's death quickly, he leaves him with some final words, things that are important. And one of those is the scriptures. Are the scriptures important to you, are they? You know, I, I was curious about this. I hadn't thought about this, but uh, do they still put uh, Bibles on coffee tables? Do they still do that? Where I grew up, you have the family Bible, and the family Bible's on coffee table, and uh, that was it. Well, I guess they don't do that anymore. Okay, well, uh, that's okay, as long as, you, as long as you study it. That's what's important. But Paul is emphasizing to Timothy the importance of the Scriptures. And one thing I learned when I was in seminary um, was that uh, sort of surprised me, but I I thought about it, but the scriptures he's referring to here is what we call the Old Testament scriptures. The New Testament hadn't been written at this point. And actually, the canon wouldn't come along for a couple hundred more years before, you know, it was decided uh, this would be the canon of scriptures in the New Testament. So... um, you know, the Old Testament scriptures were very important. Why is that? Well, they point to Jesus. That's exactly why. Uh, I remember when Paul and God, uh, Jesus knocked him off of his horse on his way to Damascus, and he had a conversion experience with Jesus. Uh, what's, what does Paul do? Well, it says he goes out in the desert for three years. 
to study the scriptures. That's what he does. He's trying to figure out what just happened to me. <laughs> you know, he was a hardcore Pharisee. I mean, he was tough. And uh, Jesus got a hold of him and, and converted him. And he didn't know what to do about that. It's like, how do I make sense out of this? Because Paul loved the scripture. I mean, that's true. I mean, it's so true. So Paul goes out and spends three years studying the scripture. Uh, and essentially what you would call the prophets. Studying the prophets. See, prophets were those that God spoke to uh, during the day relating to some situation that was going on. But it also had a messianic tone to it. It wasn't just for the now, but it also had a messianic tone to it. Uh, we're probably some of the scriptures we're most familiar with that are prophetic would be those found in Isaiah. Uh, we like to quote the prophecies of Isaiah. But uh, the Bible, the Old Testament canon is full of prophecies, of prophetic utterances that show us and lead us to who the Messiah is. So that's the scriptural part that Paul's talking about. But he also talks about the tradition part, the tradition part. See, we didn't have the, uh, the New Testament canon at that time. But if you look in the second letter Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, he says this to them. And I really like this. And this is where we get our concept, our understanding of scripture and tradition. What does Paul say? He says, stand firm, dearly beloved, and hold fast to what has been passed on to you by word of mouth or letter. That's what he says. That's what he says, see? That's, that's the canon of scripture. That's, uh, that is the, what we call the tradition part. Now, this would go on in a couple hundred years to become the canon of scripture. The church would uh, pull, pull all of these uh, scholars together and they would make that determination. But uh, the, the church continues on in the role of tradition. Tradition is very, very important in the life of the Catholic church and it continues to be that way. Now, the difference is this. The, if you read the catechism, it clearly states that there will be no new revelation about Jesus until he comes, until he returns. See, I love that. I love that. You know, that, that every time I think about that, I get excited. Now, why in the world would you get excited about something like that? Well, before Jesus came on the scene, all we knew about God was what we read in the scriptures. The Old Testament, see, God revealed. That's, that sounds like revelation, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly right. That's where it comes from. God reveals. It's revealed to us. That is called revelation. See, God loves you. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. As much as you love God, he loves you even more. Why? How do we know that with what we've heard today? Because he's made himself known to you. He's revealed himself. Now, of course, God reveals himself to us through a beautiful day like today, like nature. But that will, nature can only reveal so much of God. God says that's not enough. You need to know who I am. And so I'm going to reveal myself. I'm going to make myself known to you. 
and as an act of sheer grace, pure grace, because he loves you, he says, I'm going to make myself known. And that's what he does in the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along. What does Jesus do? He gives us more revelation. Through Jesus, we see more of who God is, don't we? I mean, Jesus is God in the flesh. We see Jesus walking. We see him breathing, sleeping, eating, healing, caring, feeding, all those things. And he inspires us. And we see Jesus doing the greatest thing of all, and that is his work on the cross. That's his crowning moment right there. That's why he came to this earth, to do the will of the Father, which was that, in order that our sins might be forgiven. See, that's revelation. Um, you know, think about it. Where would we be today without revelation? Revelation is extremely important in the life of the church. Uh, this is the source. This is the summit of the church. But think about it this way. If we didn't know what it meant, what would it matter? See, do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? This is where the Lord teaches us. You know, the scripture has to come first. We have to learn, or how else are we going to know? Paul says that when he writes to the church at Rome. But once we know, then we can understand. And once we understand, guess what? We're blown out of our seat. It's just like, God, how could you be that amazing? How could you be that wonderful? See, that's revelation. That's what revelation is. And the church says, until he returns, there'll be no new revelation. I can't wait. I, this is what really excites me. I can't wait to see all the new things that Jesus is going to reveal to us when he comes back. We do, you know, what Paul says, he says, we see through a glass dimly. That's what we see, a mirror, you know, we don't see much at all. But boy, when he comes back this time, and he takes us to heaven, are we going to see things that we had no idea beyond our wildest imagination? That is the beauty of Jesus. So I'm looking forward to that. But right now, we have what we have. But the church still plays an important role in the tradition of the church. The church doesn't create new revelation, but what the church does is it assists us in understanding the revelation that we have. That's what tradition is all about. It's safeguarding, you might call it, as Paul would say to Timothy, it's safeguarding the deposit of faith so that we might understand more fully what's happening. The church is doing that constantly. You know, people say, well, the church is slow as snails. The church is not slow as snails. It really isn't. Uh, it's moving fast. I mean, it, it, it truly is. And this is one of the areas. Another thing that really strikes me about these scriptures, more practical application, is what he says. He says, you know, he talks about the primacy of the scripture, but he says, where'd you learn the scripture? What'd he say? He said, you learned the scripture beginning when you were a little baby. That's pretty small, isn't it? That's pretty small. Well, who taught him? Well, he tells you. Mom and grandma. That's who taught him. Lois and Eunice. 
even mentions their name. Wouldn't you love to be mentioned in the scriptures, immortalized as somebody that taught your children about the Lord? Wouldn't you? Well, of course you would. Uh, you know, they were immortalized when Paul, when Paul said that, wasn't it? See, they learned, they learned, or Timothy learned the scripture from mom and grandma. That's, that's, uh, that's exactly how it worked. And children are learning the scriptures from you and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And, you know, sometimes we even have great-great-grandchildren here at St. Albert the Great. You know, think about it. How much over the course of a day or a week do you teach children about Jesus, what it says in the scripture? Think about that. That's pretty interesting because they set the foundation for Timothy. They set his life in order. And I think it's very, uh, we see that uh, very appropriately in Deuteronomy 5. What happens in Deuteronomy 5? Well, that's where the Lord gives uh, the commandments, the Ten Commandments. But you know what he does after he gives the Ten Commandments? Right after that, Moses Paul calls the people together and he gives them the Shema. You know what the Shema is? Hear, old Israel, the Lord your God is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That sounds like New Testament, doesn't it? You know, I was thinking about the, the uh, rich young ruler. You know, he came out, you know, he was trying to justify himself. He said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus says, you know the Shema. And he repeated it for him, didn't he? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. See, that's, that's what's important. To love God, you have to know God, right? To know God, you got to know his word and how wonderful it is. I love it. I, I mean, I, I get so excited when I think about it. But, uh, you know, if you, as right after the commandments are given, right after the Shema is given, what does Moses say to the people? Listen to what he says. He says, impress this on your children. Impress it on your children. Then he says, talk about this when you sit at home, when you're walking down the road, just before you go to sleep, you lay down at night, and just before you get out of bed in the morning. Think about these things. Think about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Isn't that beautiful? But what's so important about scriptures? Well, it's revelation, isn't it? God's revelation. And what's God trying to reveal? That. That's all he's trying to reveal. Jesus. I think uh, one of the gospel writers put it perfectly. Boy, it, but it, it does make me a little jealous when he said it. He said, if I were to write everything that Jesus did, the world couldn't contain it in books. It would be too much. It would be too great. But he says, the things that I do write about are for a specific purpose. And that is so that you may call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. That's what he said. Wasn't it? See, the Bible is a book of salvation. 
It's about finding the Lord, and it's about growing in the Lord. That's why it's so important. That's why Paul would go on to say it is inspired by God. These are not mere people writing these words. It's inspired by God. And he says that by studying the word and living the word, you'll grow in righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Well, it means right, doesn't it? And you hear right in righteousness. Yeah, it means to do right. To do right what, in what? In the sight of God. That's what it means. Righteousness in the sight of God. Holiness in the sight of God. And then he says, proclaim the word. Timothy, live the word. Let it live in you. Let it and proclaim it. Proclaim it through your actions. Proclaim it through your words. Isn't that what he said? Yeah, that's what he said. Proclaim it. He says, uh, proclaim it in season and out. I like that. I'm going to fix some vegetable beef soup tonight, homemade. I haven't done that in a couple, two or three months. Why not? Well, it's not been in season, has it? It's been hot. What do you do? Every time I fix chili during the summer, my wife reminds me it's not in season. You need to be uh, fixing potato salad. But I want some chili. <laughs> you know, I want some chili. She just looks at me so funny. But, uh, you know, but... What's, what's Jesus saying? Or what's Paul saying? He's saying proclaim God's word when it's popular and when it's not popular. That's what he's saying, isn't he? When it's not in season, it's not popular. When it's in season, it's popular. He says you proclaim it either way. Why? Because it's wonderful. The word of God is wonderful. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh. I get excited thinking about it. It's just, it's that wonderful. It's awesome. It's sweeter than honey. It's more valuable than gold, the finest of gold. That's what it is. That's exactly what the word of God is. And we need to embrace that. The, God, the gospel is good news. The scriptures are good news. Proclaim them in season and out of season. God bless all of you.